introduce to you my mother-in-law, Ina Rose Coe. When I was 15 years old, actually I had just turned 15, we came, my family and I, Cradle Roll Baptist, Southern Baptist on both sides of our family, and in walked my parents. I have, we have ordained Baptist ministers on both sides of our family. Anyway, uh, didn't know anything about the fullness of the Spirit, baptism the Holy Ghost, speaking in other tongues, and moving in the Spirit and the anointing and anything like that to, to any degree. And this woman and her husband, Charles and Ina Rose Coe, and them, their ministry were absolutely instrumental in bringing our family into that revelation. And we were never the same. And, uh, boy, we didn't know what adventures we were going to go on, did we? Oh, my goodness. Uh, and I, I met my, my wife. That's Anna Rose's daughter, Melody, uh, in the, in church. And, uh, that's a good place to meet a wife. And, uh, so anyway, and so I love Anna Rose dearly. She means the world to me. And she is a mentor. If there ever was one for me spiritually, uh, beyond my parents, um, she is a great reason for why I am able to do anything ministry-wise, moving in the Spirit, hearing the voice of the Spirit, moving in the anointing, recognizing the anointing, and then discerning revelation from the Word of God. It's because of a lot of what I've learned from her and Charlie Coe. And so I'm so thrilled to introduce to you Ina Rose Coe. If you don't know her, get to know her. She's not she's not a gregarious person like I am. So you need to come up and go talk to her. <laughs> God God wires us all differently, doesn't he? So uh but go up and talk to her. But she is an anointed teacher and I have learned so much from her and you're about to experience that. And so come on, Ina Rose. I hope I can measure up to that wonderful. You know, that that just brings back so many memories. <laughs> I see what time is it, 701. I'm going to try to keep right in the way Greg says to do. And, you know, he talks about going down rabbit trails. I can go down three or four at one time. So I got my notes. And um, I think I better warn you before I wasn't going to do this. I thought I could really be dignified. You know, come up here and present myself in a way that's dignified. But as I collected my notes together this afternoon and was sitting at the computer putting them all down, I got drunk as a skunk. I did. I didn't think I was going to get up out of that chair. And then it just, you know, and then even before I came, this laughter started coming up. And I thought, and you know, that's not my character. Yeah. To be just, like he said, I'm not gregarious. Uh, so, so I don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I'm going to try to keep my composure, but if you see me going a little bit different, you'll understand. Yeah, okay. <laughs> you warned me. <laughs> Lord Jesus, we love you, and, and we thank you that we have the opportunity to live in a nation where we can come freely. We can make our own decisions to come and to be before you and to, to worship with one another. I ask you, Holy Spirit, to move in our midst this evening. I ask that you fill my mouth with the words that you would have me say. I say, give us ears to hear 
what the spirit of the living God is saying to the church in these days. We give you honor and praise and glory. We thank you, Father God. I just worship you, thank you, and worship you for all that you are and that you're our life. You're the very essence of our life. We thank you, Jesus. Amen. Praise God, praise God. Well, I don't know how that motto came up on the wall. Jesus, we are here for you. But ever since that went up, and I believe maybe it started out of the praise and worship time, right? Yeah, Todd goes, yeah. It's a song. Jesus, we are here for you. And I don't know why it got put up on the wall, but I like it. But, you know, every time I come into the sanctuary, I see that motto there, and I ponder it. And I'm one that ponders things. If you That's an old term. You all got to understand, I'm 75 years old, and some of my terminology may not be what... Taylor and I have that all the time, you know. Taylor works with me, and I'll say something that's my age. And she goes, what? So so if you don't understand my terminology, I'll try to explain it to you. But anyway, uh, that I know that there's a message behind that. Jesus, we are here for you. And so what I was going to do, I was going to just take... Man, that makes me nervous, Greg. Five, 53 minutes, 35, 37. Turn that thing on. <laughs> anyway, I wanted to take a uh, few minutes. I won't, I don't want you to take over 15 seconds. Uh, you can say a lot in 15 seconds, but I wanted to know what that motto meant to any of you. Does anybody want to volunteer? Maybe three people. Does that have a message for you? Okay, Taylor, I saw you shake your head. That's good. Another person? Hmm. I wasn't going to let Pastor CJ say anything, but I'm going to ask him. What does it mean to you? I thought you'd have all this to say. What does it mean to you? Right. And that, and you know, that's the question that comes to me. Why are we here? You know, you can really get deep in that subject. Why am I really here? Melody. See, I have to call on Melody because my kids say, don't call on me. You know, when, <laughs> you know, when I used to, you know, I used to teach once a week and so my kids cringed. Oh, and Taylor did something to me that I'll probably never forgive her for in Fort Davis, Texas, the last time we went to preach. She's back there and I said, okay, Taylor, you just come up and, and share a word with you. And she goes, no. And I go, what? <laughs> what do you mean? No. <laughs> Anyway, I finally got her up there. So, Melody, what does it mean to you? Yeah. The Great Commission. 
Kaylin, if you can put up the, I just have one little overhead. I wanted to hear what you all had to say about that, if you've even stopped to really think about that. But every time we come through those doors, I hope after, wow, you did a good job of that. <laughs> that looks really nice. It didn't look that nice when I sent it up here. But I want to share with you what I believe that message, what I know that message speaks to me every time I come in here. And uh, I hope that I can impart that to you, maybe why I'm a little different sometimes. In Colossians 1.16, it says, For by him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things, and by him all things consist. God sovereignly is telling us in that scripture that everything was created by him and for him. For him. In other words, everything includes you and me. We are made for him. And you know, when we come through that door, we need to consider that. I'm here because he created me. I am a being of his, and he loves me. And the least I can do is show up, you know, with an attitude to focus in on the fact that I'm here for him. So Jesus we are here for you. And then Revelations 4, 8. And the four beasts had each of them six wings about him, and they were full of eyes within, and they rest not day and night, saying, Holy, holy, holy God, Lord Almighty, which was and is and is to come. And when those beasts give glory and honor and thanks to him that sat on the throne who liveth forever and ever, the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne. Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. We were created for him, for his pleasure. Sometimes I think maybe I'm not a real pleasure to him. (laughs) But I was created for that, right? Nobody say amen to that. In Isaiah 43, I, I do want to say something about that verse. Can you back it up to the one before? I want to say something about that. It was in one of my studies a number of years ago. I was doing an exegesis on those words there. And that part where it says the four and twenty elders fall down before him that sat on the throne and worship him that liveth forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne there, that is such a description. That is the throne room of God that we all are going to someday enter into that room, hopefully. Everybody here is going to go there, right? And um, what, what, what it actually portrays, a, a picture of 
God's revelation as he is constantly, I mean, this is something that's hard to wrap your mind around, but he's constantly creating. He's constantly, revelations of God are constant. And actually that means like that the elders come up, you know, they're off the ground, they got the crowns back on, and here comes another revelation of God that is so awesome and grand of what they never understood about him. And they throw off their crowns and they prostrate themselves before God. What a revelation. That's our future, people. Praise God, praise God. Now you can understand why I got drunk sitting at the the computer. (laughs) You missed it, Taylor. (laughs) You shouldn't have left so early. (laughs) So we are made for God, for his pleasure, to praise and worship him. This um, first, you know, first we have to understand we were saved for him. You know, we are saved for him. And you know why we're saved for him? Because he wants us for himself. That is just such an awesome thing, just how really special we are. He wants us, this little old 75-year-old woman who someday will look 30. I'm thinking. And <laughs> anyway, that's kind of what they say, we'll look 30 years old when you go up there. <laughs> But he wants me as an individual. He wants me for himself. And that is something to really wrap your your mind around. It's something for you to focus on of how special you are to God. Then Romans 8, 29. You can take that down now. I love this scripture. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. God, the Father, what this scripture says to me is God, the Father, loved Jesus so much. He loves him so much that he wanted to fill the universe with a people that are in the image of Jesus himself. That's the church. Can you imagine? We are conformed. We are created to be conformed into the image of Jesus. And he wants a whole universe of people like that. You know, heaven's going to be a wonderful place. (laughs) There's that song, heaven is a wonderful place full of mercy and grace. I can't sing. Anyway, I like that song. He loves us so much, and he wants to fill the universe with the people. Now, here's, he wants a people who will minister to him. That's what he's want. All those verses, that's what that that motto means to me when I come in here. I'm here. You know, (laughs) I I can complain to Todd, and it don't mean a thing. You don't listen. But anyway, I don't hope, I hope nobody notices. But you know, when I come in here, I want to worship. And this, and I have, I'm not saying I'm not bringing any, but I just want people to understand me. And when Todd says, get up and go meet everybody, you know, I'm always, I'm already in that mode to worship. I really don't want to scoot around the room greeting all of you. 
Because I, I don't want to be pulled out of that place that I've already entered into to worship him. I've come here to minister to him. And I know sometimes, you know, it's like my feet. I've thought, you know, Anna Rose, you just look like an old stuck in the mud. Does somebody want an interpretation of that? But sometimes you just look like that. I know, But I cannot move my feet out of place. It's like I've come in here and I'm already taking a position that I'm here to worship him. And it's okay, Todd, if you have people running around greeting each other. But the thing of it is, is they understand, you know, if I'm not greeting you, it's not because I think I'm a snob or anything. I'm just already there. I'm waiting for to have that opportunity to come before him and minister to him. So. That motto means to me, Jesus, I'm here to minister to you. Simple. When I come in here, that's what it means to me. This is my time. And, of course, we do it all the time. You know, we walk over. When we're walking around, we'll just have that in us that we want to praise him and minister to him. But when we come in the sanctuary amongst God's people, time that you know that you're here We're here to minister unto him. Um, It's amazing how often ministering to the Lord is mentioned in the Bible. You can do a study on that yourself. And there's different ways it talks about how we can minister unto him. When we give our tithes and offerings, that's ministering. Uh, When we minister to other people, that's ministering unto the Lord. You do things unto the Lord. But the primary thing, if you study that, is ministering to him in praise and worship is coming before him praising him and worshiping him i I was going to just give a few scriptures uh that have to do with uh ministering to the lord and first i tell you the the study that uh greg did on the davidic tabernacle is just it just stirred something up in me that had been dormant there for quite a while, (laughs) just got all stirred up in that. And he talked a little about Samuel, but uh, we all know the story of Samuel, but 1 Samuel 3, 1, and the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days. There was no open vision. In other words, it meant there was just a lack of the word in those days. And there was no open, but nobody was going. And who was Eli? He was the high priest. And what is it? And I'm telling you, oh, here I go, rabbit tracking. But I'm telling you, with your children, they can be little Samuels. I've been working back there with that crew, with the crew area. And it's pretty shocking when kids haven't got all the junk in their mind yet about what they're supposed to be like how their spirit can be activated so quickly. You know, our our spirit, next week's message, but our spirit doesn't have an age. You know, I shared with the kids, you know, you know, you, you right now, you can move in the things of God. The Holy Spirit is resident within you. You don't have an age in the Holy Spirit. And I shared with them about Taylor. I know Taylor was three years old when she started speaking in tongues. And she did it on her own. You know, just all of a sudden her mother said she appeared in the room speaking in tongues. 
three years old. And I think that they say that Samuel may be at that age. Some, they have different opinions, but maybe he was even just five years old. And here is the high priest that's going to a child to say to get a word from the Lord. And you know what? It's sad to say, but I believe in many manifestations of the body of Christ today, it's almost the same. The word is precious. And and as I teach on that, next week I'm going to teach on ministering to the Lord, but about uh, spirit, soul, body. It's very important to understand that, how we can come and worship him. It says we are to worship him in the spirit. And many Christians do not have an understanding of what spirit, soul, body is. If we're going to minister to him, it has to be out of our spirit, where the Holy Spirit comes to reside in our spirit, and he communes with our spirit. And that's our little old soul that can hinder the spirit of God moving. And that's why I'm saying in a lot of places, I believe that the word of the Lord is still precious. And next was Mary, the mother of Jesus. She ministered to the Lord when she she gave forth that marvelous worship and praise of the Magnificent. And then Anna, the prophetess, who was probably in her 80s, and perhaps she had been there over 50 years in that temple. But it, the word says in Luke 2 that she ministered to the Lord in fasting and prayer. And she was the one that had the revelation about who Jesus was. He had that revelation. That's what comes out of ministering to the Lord. We'll get into that. I'm just giving you a little overview. Uh, Greg probably mistakenly asked me to be here three <laughs> three Wednesdays. <laughs> because I can, I like, I like the word. <laughs> the, the leaders of the church not only ministered to the Lord privately, but they came together publicly to fast and minister to the Lord. That's in Acts 13 too. And I'm going to go back to that, so I won't read that right now. So biblically speaking, our ministry is first to the Lord. And then to others. That's our first ministry. Ma'am. Our first ministry is to the Lord. That's it. And there's a reason for that. But our first, we've got to get that focus. Our first ministry is to the Lord. <clears throat> I don't want to seem hard, but... But I believe in the church universal, especially the Western church. We don't have a understanding that God has a need. <laughs> you know, he has one need. God has one need. And that's that we worship him. That is his need. He created us for that purpose, that we would worship him. We would minister unto him. And I think we don't have that focus at all. We think about, um, you know, what order of service we're going to have. We think about how we, how all, what all the ministries of the church are doing. We think about if we like or we don't like the music. We have a lot of things we focus on instead of focusing on ministering to Him. 
And predominantly, I don't believe the church has that mindset. That we, our purpose is here to, is to minister to the Lord. Praise God. And I guess I'll be so brave to go ahead and say that I believe that's one reason of the power, power failure in the church. We have a power failure. <laughs> Has anybody noticed that? I don't think we'd see our nation probably where it is right now if the church hadn't had a power failure. And, you know, it really comes out of the fact that we haven't spent our time ministering to him. <clears throat> In Amos 9, 11, and 12, the prophet Amos predicted that God would restore again the, David, the tabernacle of David so that all the Gentiles might seek after the Lord. And you know what that is? is Gentiles to us as unbelievers. How many unbelievers do you see seeking you out? Most of them are running from you, you know. But that says when the restoration of the tabernacle of David happens, when that is restored, that the Gentiles will be seeking us out. I mean, that's a fast way to get a harvest in, CJ. You know, we pray to, it tells us, we pray to the Lord of harvest to send out laborers in the field. You know what we ought to be saying is, well, let me put it this way. See, I'm not sticking with those notes. I just can't help myself. You know, okay. So what I want to say right here and. And I don't mean this, I just want to get our focus right. I don't think the Lord is seeking for workers. He's seeking for worshipers. If we worship first, the work's going to follow. So what I'm thinking, when Jesus said, you know, you know, pray to the Lord of harvest for the laborers to go out in the field, he's talking about worshipers. That worshipers can go out in that field. And they can collect in the harvest. First obligation is to minister unto the Lord. And you know, this old fleshly body, sometimes they just don't like that. Why do you think, David, when he says, bless the Lord, O my soul. And, and, and some of that can be interpreted as minister unto the Lord, O my soul. He's talking about his soul. Soul, you get in line. Your souls, your mind, your will, and your emotions. And that thing is what's trying to function and, and make us, uh, operate in the, and within that all the time because the world has such a huge voice. This is one of the most important things we can teach our young people. Spirit, soul, body. Your purpose is to minister unto the Lord. When you come and you draw near to Him and He draws near to you, all things are possible. Everything's possible. <clears throat> 35 years ago, well, <laughs> well, I won't even look at my notes anymore. But this was how it's going to end up, not even there. But 35 years ago in El Paso, Texas, uh, <clears throat> I had an open vision. And I believe, you know, for an actual open vision, it's the only one I've really had. But it, uh, I saw myself and Charlie going to church. And we were walking down this cement 
uh, sidewalk, and and the church had these two great big wooden doors that you had to push open to go in. And so as we started down that sidewalk, I noticed all these people laying on the sidewalk, infirmed people, people with disease and sickness, uh, missing limbs, all kinds of things, you know, um, just lined up down that sidewalk. So we walked past them and pushed our way into the push those two doors open and as we walked in the first thing i noticed was colored rain i just noticed all this rain coming down and it was color it had all kinds of color and uh, i noticed the people the people had their arms up in unison they all had their arms up worshiping the lord and then as I turned back where the doors were, I saw these people carrying those people that had been on the sidewalk. They were carrying them in. And as they carried them in and down the aisle of the church, they were being healed. The thing that was so unique that I noticed so much in that vision is that the worshipers didn't even notice what was going on. That wasn't a thing for them. I mean, you know, if we see somebody get healed, we all want to dance and scream and holler. That wasn't in that vision. When we went to Ramah, I discussed that vision to uh, Charlie and I worked in the healing clinic there. <coughs> healing clinic. I guess that's what they called it. Was it a healing clinic? What they called Anyway, that's where they brought people. <laughs> yeah, I forget what they called. It's been a... It's healing school. <laughs> it's been a number of years ago since we were there. But I talked to them about that vision, you know, and uh, they had the several things they thought that it probably was. But it wasn't till I began to get a revelation in my spirit that my first, my call is to minister unto the Lord, that I understood how powerful that is. That's what I saw. I saw people ministering unto the Lord, and it created an atmosphere. Nothing is impossible to God if we create an atmosphere in unison. In uh, Second Second Chronicles 5, since I skipped a lot of my notes, I, I didn't think I'd have time to read this, but I'm going to read it. It's one of the favorite chap, my favorite chapters in the Bible. It's kind of unusual, you know, Second Chronicles 5. But it's about when Solomon had finished the work of building the temple. So I'm just going to read it. Thus, all the work that Solomon made for the house of the Lord was finished. And Solomon brought in all the things that David is father had dedicated and the silver and the gold and all the instruments put he among the treasures of the house of god then solomon assembled the elders of israel and all the heads of the tribes the chief of the fathers and the children of israel unto jerusalem to bring up the ark of the covenant of the lord out of the city of david which is zion therefore all the men of israel assembled themselves unto the king in the feast, which was in the seventh month. And all the elders of Israel came, and the Levites took up the ark. And they brought up the ark in the tabernacle of the congregation, and all the holy vessels that were in the tabernacle, 
This did the priests and the Levites bring up. Also, King Solomon and all the congregation of Israel who were assembled unto him before the ark sacrificed sheep and oxen, which could not be told nor numbered for the multitude. Can you imagine? And the priests brought in the ark of the covenant of the Lord unto his place, to the oracle of the house, into the most holy place, even unto the under the wings of the cherubim. For the cherubim spread forth their wings over the place of the ark, and the cherubim covered the ark and the staves thereof. And then I, I, I want to just go on down to verse 13, but first I'm going to interject something. Do you see all the activity going on there? They're sacrificing animals. They brought in all the precious things into the temple. Uh, the Levites have showed up. Uh, there's a lot of activity going on there, but there's really not, there, it doesn't say of anything of the Lord's presence being there until in verse 13, it came even to pass all the trumpeters and singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanking the Lord. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and cymbals and the instruments of music and the guitars and the keyboards and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever, that then the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priests could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house. When the glory shows up, nothing's impossible to God. And I believe that's what the restoration of David's tabernacle is for. And I believe that restoration is going on in our midst right now. I believe that. I just had to put my little bit in on how we are here to minister to the Lord. If we even can get that mindset within us and come in here and say, I'm here, Jesus. I mean, we've got it on the wall. The message here, Jesus, we are here to you. We're here to minister to you. I'm going to lay aside all these ugly thoughts I've had. I mean, come in for you. (laughs) <laughs> just for you, to minister unto you. Oh, praise God. So you can understand why sometimes I just stand there. I don't want to be moved out of my place. Ready. Praise God, praise God, praise God. Praise God, praise God. You know, um, it talks about the Levites, how God's, uh, you know, set them aside and it talks about one of their duties was to stand and minister before the Lord. There's only one way they could do that. It was by praising him, worshiping him, to stand before the Lord, to minister unto him. Praise God. Woo! I tell you what. Woo! Praise God. <laughs> Whoa, I'm going to just say it like this. I'm going to put it in a simple word. When I show up here and I minister unto the Lord, he's going to come down and meet me. He's going to fill the need that I have. And a lot of times I don't even know what need I have. But we can live here. We we need to be expectant of that. 
When we come through that door, say, I'm here, Lord Jesus. I'm here for you. Holy Ghost, I'm here. I'm here to worship you, to acknowledge who you are. There's a difference in praise and worship. You know, praise is, well, you know, when it tells us how to enter into his courts. We come in with thanksgiving. We come in with that. And then we enter into praise, which, because I can't even get there if I had it down. But if you study the Greek and the Aramaic and the Hebrew, you can study all that, but you can put it in of knowing that praise is just declaring what God has done. We can praise him for all the works that he's done. Then we move into that what we saw as a Selah moment. You know, it happened Sunday. Did you all realize we had a Selah moment Sunday? That's when things get quiet. And when things get quiet, we know he's saying, you come up here and you worship me. Worship is when we declare who he is. When we declare who he is. And when we start declaring who he is, he's Lord God Almighty. There's nothing impossible to him. He is my need meter. He is my healer. That's who he is. He cares about me. I am precious unto him. Maybe not anybody else, but I'm precious unto the Lord. He loves me because I love him. And it tells us as we draw near to him, he'll draw near to us. Do you want to see miracles? Do you want to see miracles? Why do we make it so hard? All he's asked us to do is come and minister unto him. Because he inhabits the praises of his people. When he comes to inhabit our praises, things show up. (laughs) Things happen. Things happen, praise God. Praise God. 21 minutes and five. Praise God. Yep. Be dignified. You know, um, well, most of you don't know me very well, but anyway, then probably that's my fault. Uh, I'm a student in the word of covenant. I love covenant. I can see, you get in that word, and you, I can see covenant. It's all through the Bible. That's what it's about, is covenant. And you know, there's a little, just a little principle I use when I, I'm reading the word to know that I'm reading covenant. And it's that exchange. It's just a simple exchange. That covenant is like a contract. And you know, in the Old Testament, it talks about some covenants that they cut. They actually did cut. And uh, and it, there was this exchange between two people. And the, it, there was uh, an exchange. There was an exchange. <laughs> God, you believe this? There was an exchange <laughs> that said, okay, Greg, I'm saying to you, I, I, I am going to be your covenant partner and everything you own is mine. 
and then everything I own is yours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And if I need help, Greg, you better come a flying. And when you need help, I'll be there. And that's exactly what the covenant is between God. And you can see it all through there and about the love, you know, with David and Jonathan. They were in covenant. I mean, they have taken that thing and used that particular scripture to to declare, I'm going to get in trouble. To declare, a, um, yeah, I better not do that. Okay. But anyway, there's been some bad teaching on that scripture. Their love was covenant love. It was a love that they had to honor one another, to honor one another. And, 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 and David even had that with Saul. Why do you think he ran all over those hills and mountains? He knew who Saul was, that he was called by God to be in that position, that he had covenanted with God, so he had coveted with the man of God. You know, and the poor guy that thought he did a big favor, you know, and, and stabbed Saul, he got killed. That's the covenant in operation. And, you know, we're to be that way with each other. But, and never mind. Praise God. God, praise God, praise God. As we worship him, we are giving ourselves to him. That's just simple. But I'm telling you, we need that expectation. We need that expectation that he is going to come and inhabit my praise. He's going to come and inhabit it. Greg talked about um, uh, how he met Melody in the church. And I was just talking to Taylor, I think, yesterday about this. About when, when Charlie and I were at Rama, we were in our early 40s at that time, you know. And uh, so we were young kids then, huh? But they thought we were mature enough. <laughs> they thought we were mature enough, you know, to be teachers. And and uh, so we were put in that position that really our ministry could have swooped, you know, if we were looking at that. But there was this thing that just nagged Charlie and I both about going back to Perry, Oklahoma. And Todd thought that was the worst thing in the world that anybody could do. Are you sure? Every morning at 7 o'clock, Todd and his cousin Vince were in the home with us then, and Melody would show up in our bedroom at 7 to pray to make sure we were hearing God about going to to Perry (laughs) for two weeks, for two weeks. And then finally we got a word from the Lord that we were, we should go, and they submitted. Anyway, (laughs) oh, praise God. Uh, but anyway, it wasn't a real, that was our hometown. It was Charlie and my, it was our hometown where we grew up. And not only it was where I married the kid's father, I, you know, I, Charlie uh, took all five of my kids. I, it was funny, you know, when, when, uh, <laughs> I tell you, I'm getting, getting there. Is I'm okay? <laughs> I'm okay. All right. Anyway, uh, I moved to El Paso because Melinda was actually dying. 
she was uh, she had a degenerative asthma is what she had and so I had not been baptized in the spirit very long but I think I really heard the spirit better then than I'm hearing him sometimes now but anyway I knew I've got to get her to some place where the climate's drier and so I loaded up four of my children in a U-Haul and we left not knowing where we were going I just thought well I've been in El Paso. I do know some people there. We'll go through there, and then maybe we'll go to Phoenix. Nice, dry climate. Anyway, we got to El Paso. <laughs> about Talk about a covenant man. That was my husband. Anyway, I had been secretary at the first Christian church there. <laughs> and uh, so I went to El Paso, and he was concerned about my kids. We never dated. There was no nothing really going on there, but he started calling me once we got in El Paso. And he was a, a what we'd call an associate pastor. He was an assistant to the pastor. <laughs> That's what they call it there. Anyway, you know, just checking out. Check. So things developed over the phone, and he asked me to marry him. So he thought Charlie had this wiry sense of humor. Talk about a covenant partner. But anyway, he knew, he just knew that that's what, that I was the one, me and all my five kids were the ones for him. He had never married, praise God. And we were 35 years old. Anyway, so he proposed and, and I was in a position that I thought it, uh, what a miracle. Anybody, you know. So I accepted immediately. Praise God. Oh, praise the Lord. But he had a word from the Lord. He did, and he was a worshiper. Charlie was quiet, said few words, but he was a worshiper. Anyway, so to make a long story short, uh, he came to El Paso and, uh, and uh, I, I, you know, and then from there we came back up to Broken Arrow and then went into the, ended up in Perry, Oklahoma. And that's what I, where I started to go. I was telling Taylor, you know, I thought we maybe really made a mistake. 12 minutes and 50, 49 seconds. We maybe made a mistake of not staying there in Broken Arrow in Rama Bible Training Center. We might could, Keith Moore, you know who Keith Moore? We worked with Keith Moore. We could have been right with Keith Moore. So why did we make that stupid decision to go to Perry? <laughs> you know, that was just, uh, it, uh, and I was telling Taylor, and you know what? Something went off on me, just went off in my spirit. Every one of my children married somebody from that little bitty church in Perry, Oklahoma. And the minute... Greg and Mel were married. We left Perry, Oklahoma in about two months and went to Fort Davis. You talk about covenant because I wanted my children to have good mates, to have good lives. There's not a divorce in our family. And he knew where to take us. And if we just followed along, people, and I know that it, a lot of it was because the only thing we really did know how to do was to worship God. Poor Mel and Todd. <laughs> they, when we started that church in Perry, 
They played the guitar, plunk, 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 and Charlie said, okay, you're the worship team. (laughs) Praise God. And he anointed them. I'm telling you, when you praise the Lord and you put him first in your life, there is nothing impossible, nothing impossible with God. Praise God, praise God. So, that's why, Candy. I know what we started in. This was not in my notes. I believe, God, this has to be you. I had a real dignified message. But anyway, <laughs> till I just couldn't get up from the chair to walk in here hardly. But anyway, um, <laughs> praise God, praise God. What did I just last say? <laughs> candy (laughs) okay to tell you about how he works in our life but the one thing i know that we were we were worshipers charlie and i were i mean i knew how desperate i was and i don't know what his problem was that he married me but but anyway we worship together oh but candy and gary how he works he works and you know, a lot of times when I worship, I, it's just in tongues. I don't have the words I can say. You know, my mind just isn't that deep to have enough words to say. But, but anyway, we started in the IWF hall, the church. Well, we got out about 10 minutes early or something and stopped by what used to be Safeway there in Perry. And Charlie said, well, I'm just going to go in and get some bread. And I said, okay. Well, we were right across from the Baptist church, and I went into intercession. I laid down in the seat and just cried and bawled, and Charlie goes, what is your problem? And I said, I don't know. I think it must be something about that church over there. (laughs) Anyway, two weeks later, Candy threw me out of a birthing room. She did. Uh, Charlie's sister was having a baby, and uh, I believed in supernatural childbirth, and I still believe in that. <laughs> anyway, so that was before they let all the families come in, you know. Like now everybody can come in while you're having a baby, but it was before then. So I was in there with his sister praying over her, and this is a wonderful Baptist woman right here, and Baptists are wonderful. Charlie said they make the best ones to come into a charismatic church. It's the Baptist. <laughs> anyway, so I was in there praying over uh, Nancy, and I was quoting scripture, and in walks Candy, and she was the nurse on duty that night. And she said, who are you? And I said, well, I'm blah, 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 blah. And she said, you don't belong in here. And she kicked me out. (laughs) After I had, that was before I had the intercession, I think, in front of the Baptist church. If you want to see how weird I am, you're hearing it tonight. Anyway, because nothing's going like I planned. But anyway, Candy, um, we had a little office there, and she hit our office, and she wanted some literature (laughs) <laughs> about speaking in tongues. Anyway, 
I know that when I lay down in that car seat in front of that Baptist church, he was separating them out. He was separating them out because Greg needed to marry Mel. You see how intricate I, it's just, there's so much. He wants to do that in your life. I have a lot to praise him. I have this one little joke about Charlie. <clears throat> he announced at church. My sister went to the Christian church and he, he got, you know, they have two pulpits. The Christian church, there's the pastor's pulpit. Pastor's pulpit. And so Charlie got up to the, <laughs> I wasn't there. He got up to the pulpit and he said, I have an announcement to make. I'm resigning because I'm getting married. Well, this is a bachelor. You're 35, 35 years old and everybody's going, what? We didn't even know you were going with anybody. <laughs> My sister said she was there and she's, everybody was in stun. And then why the pianist went plunk. <laughs> and they said, well, who are you marrying? And he, they, he said, Ida Rose. I go down to El Paso and I'm marrying Ida Rose. Well, <laughs> the next day he was sitting in the comeback. Then they're drinking coffee and he heard some older men down from him and they said, did you hear about that cowboy? He's marrying a woman with 10 kids. <laughs> he loved to tell that story. Praise God. Yeah. Yeah. You were like 10 kids. Praise God. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for this opportunity to share. And I just believe that the message I wanted to share was delivered. Maybe not the way I planned, but I believe you were in it. And how you were in it is to show the relationship and the fellowship we can have with you through praise and worship. That our purpose is to minister to you. Minister to you and allow you to take care of all the details in our life. Because when we draw unto you, you draw unto us. You inhabit our praises. So, Lord, just let us focus. When all those bills are piled up, we can lay our hands on it and say, Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. You are my provider. And see how quick those bills can disappear. When you're sick in your body, and this has happened to me several times in my life, <clears throat> that I'd wake up with pain and I could just lay there and say, I thank you, God. I praise you, Lord Jesus. I praise you, praise you. You're my healer. And just gone. Just gone. He can meet us where we're at. Oh, praise God, praise God. Why do you think Jared is married to Lori? <laughs> been praying years for <laughs> oh i'm gonna have to quit you <laughs> before i get us all in trouble anyway next week i will be teaching spirit soul body and then the third week which will be my last week if i still have anybody to come and listen to me but anyway <laughs> It'll be about the gifts of the Spirit and how they operate when we are ministering unto the Lord. So, Lord, I thank you. I thank you for everyone here. Oh, God, you love them. 
I just pray that above all, they know how much you love them, that they were created for you, that we're just traveling through this place, and it's just a short time that we're here, and that we're here, God, because you loved us. You had a covenant that you fulfilled through Jesus for us, that we can join you eternally and praise you for all eternity. I thank you, God, that everyone here is under the blood of Jesus as they travel from here and all during the week, that your protective power is over them. I declare that no sickness or disease can attach to their bodies. I thank you that all their needs are met in Christ Jesus, and we give you all the honor and the praise and the glory in Jesus' name. Everyone said, Amen. Amen.